Thank you, Trevor, heroin addict. Hey, Trevor. Um, thanks for having me. Thanks to all the home group members. This meeting is, uh, is, I like this meeting. I should come to it more because, you know, I live right down the road and, and um, usually around this time on Wednesdays, I'm like getting to that point where I'm door dashing and I'm just like, okay, I can only listen to so many speaker tapes. I should go to a real meeting. Um, yeah, the, the, I always forget that this is on Spotify and Apple and I'm like afraid to go listen to my first speaker. Uh, I technically have a speaker tape out there. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah, um, sobriety date, 11-28-17, um, which is, oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it took four years in November and it's like 11-28-17 is just this thing. It's like ingrained in my mind. And sometimes I say it and it doesn't, it's like if you say a word enough times and it doesn't mean anything. Um, and then sometimes I say it and it's like, oh yeah, that's my, like, that's, that's my birthday. Like that's, um, once you stick around long enough, uh, you start to kind of go like, yeah, don't even, don't even fucking call me on my belly button birthday. I just don't even, you know, and I'm a, I'm a Gemini. So I get like the birthday blues and I'm like, you know what? Just wait till November. We're good. Um, and uh, this is not my first time trying to get sober. It's far from it. Um, I just want to say, by the way, total ADD moment. The Spanish group that happens out there is like the coolest fucking thing in the world. When I walk out and I hear the Spanish AA group happening because it's like, you know what? This is like, we're all, it's, it's, it's like, fuck yeah. Like if you're one of us, you're one of us. And um, I have not traveled outside the country since I've been sober and since I've become a friend of this program, um, partly for legal reasons. Uh, but I can imagine that, and I shared about this on my birthday this year, anywhere I go in the world, there's a room somewhere at some time that I can walk into and I can feel like I belong the way that I belong here, the way that I belong at my other home groups uh throughout the week and um and it's just crazy to think that i've spent four years in orange county um because i've built such a rich life for myself uh within this small radius you know this small like 10 mile radius i i've i've experienced things that in though i might not look at 31 years of life um you know, I, and, and living all over the world and traveling all over the world and, and um, having, you know, some small success in, uh, in my career path uh, before I got sober, like I just didn't even know that some of those experiences were possible. And that's all a result of working those steps that we heard um, at the beginning of the meeting. And every time I hear those readings, uh, it's still fresh to me. Every time I hear a way out or how it works or you know, the chapter three reading and then followed obviously by the steps and the traditions, um, I'm reminded of my primary purpose and I'm reminded of, of where I belong. And, um, and that's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. Um, so yeah, like I said, not my first time trying to get sober. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's weird. Cause like I was one of us like way before I put any drugs or alcohol or anything into my body. Like from the time that I can remember being in a body 
I can remember feeling different. Um, like on the playground in preschool, I felt like I didn't fit in. You know, I didn't slide down the slide right. I was weird on the monkey bars. Like my crayon drawings didn't look like the next kid. Like, um, and uh, and yeah, like I don't. Th I think that this disease runs in my family. Um, my dad. I didn't really. I have very faint memories of my dad. He uh, he passed away when I was nine. He committed suicide. And even though that is like the official cause of death. You know, my brother, who has in the last couple of years gotten sober, and thank God for that, um, my brother and I have spoken a lot about that and, and have kind of come to the conclusion that, like, we were pretty sure that our dad was one of us and that we were pretty sure that, uh, that you know, he, he wasn't, I don't know. Forgiveness has been a big theme in my sobriety and, and forgiving myself, obviously, um, and... Uh, and being able to really adopt that uh, concept from the fourth step that it, where it talks about like some being sicker than others and, um, and really, really giving people a chance, like, because I, because of how many chances I was given. Right. Um, so yeah, like I, I, for a long time, I blamed, um, my condition on the conditions of my household even though like I didn't I came from a pretty good house like we always had food on the table if I wanted to do something I had the means to do it like I really liked skateboarding so I got a new skateboard I fell in love with music so I got a guitar like I it, there was never a shortage of resources in my house growing up but there was this kind of emotional and mental chaos going on and um and that finally manifested in the death of my dad and then further manifested in the reactions of, you know, surrounding family members. And, and I'm just nine years old and I'm kind of put into this position of like having to act like an adult and having to act more like a friend to my mother than having her be like a mother to me. Um, and I resented that for a long time and I still have to do work on that. You know, I didn't just get to do one fourth and fifth step on that and have it go away. Like this is a daily program. This is something that we, uh, that, you know, I get a, I get a daily reprieve contingent upon the maintenance of my spiritual program. Right. And at the other HA meeting, I was talking about how I just learned what the word reprieve meant. Um, and for some reason that got a big laugh and I was like, can anybody here tell me what the word reprieve means besides maybe Eric and Bryant? Like, <laughs> and reprieve means, reprieve is actually a, a legal term as far as I understand that is uh, an offset of sentencing. So it's like, a, it's when a judge or, yeah, a judge basically suspends sentencing uh, for a later date. And so in our case, the sentence is death. You know, it's dying of this disease and, and the reprieve is daily. Um, so I really only have from the time I wake up till the time I go to sleep to get cool with all the shit that I'm dealing with. And, uh, and I've been given this set of tools to deal with all those things. And, and they're very simple tools, but I have to do them every day. And it's interesting because it works both ways. You know, if I put enough days together of of having that reprieve, my life starts to look a lot better. But if I put a couple days together of forgetting to do that shit, like it's weird how, how it's like exponentially faster. My life goes to shit. 
Um, and so, you know, I came into the rooms, I came into the rooms at 27 years old and I used to make the joke, I never thought I'd be 27 and wanted peace and quiet out of life. Um, you know, cause I, I was, I was like down, I was down for the chaos. I was down for the party. I was down for all the shit that came with it. Like I really reveled in being a scumbag. I liked it. I don't, I don't know about you, but I just have that part of my mind that like goes off. I made this, I, t I made this comment last time I shared at this meeting, I opened with this comment cause it's kind of. It's like, it's a nice opener, but it's like, yeah, I'll be driving around door dashing. And my first thought isn't like, yeah, it ain't much, but it's honest work. My first thought still to this day at four years of sobriety is like, mm, I wonder if the cap for grand theft has gone up or down in the last five years <laughs> since I was stealing shit. I wonder how much I could get away with, you know, and I hear about this like thing up in the Bay Area where they don't prosecute for theft up to a certain amount. I'm like. Bay Area sounds pretty good. <laughs> Maybe I should look for a place up there. And like, those are the thoughts that come to me. And, and what that tells me actually is that like, the first thoughts of like, the first manifestation of the sickness that comes to me isn't, I wanna go get loaded. It's like, I wanna go do some fuck shit. And what that tells me is that the disease is, is it's this thing that centers in my mind that like the drugs really were like, People call them a symptom. People also call them the solution to the problem. For me, they were the solution. They were the thing that like quieted my mind from that. The only problem was that at the end, I was having to steal in order to, to do the drugs to forget that I was stealing shit. Um, so it's this vicious cycle. And, uh, and yeah, like I can't, <laughs> I can't put enough emphasis on the fact that this isn't my first time. I really did try to do it on my own a couple of times. I went to rehab once before this, this run of sobriety and uh, got, a, got a couple sponsors that I burned that one of them I still owe an immense to. And, and I think I tracked him down. I'm pretty sure I tracked him down. Like I, uh, my brother lives in San Diego, which is where I was at the time. And he's in the program and I've asked him to kind of like keep an eye out for this guy at meetings. and. You know, didn't break anonymity, didn't give him the last name, but I was like, yo, if you see this guy, Shane H, he, you know, this is what he looks like, you know, just let me know. Just let me know what meeting you see him at. I, I, I really owe this guy an immense. And like, um, yeah, I, 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 my path of destruction extended into sobriety um, only because I was dry. Like I wasn't really sober. Um, I was still sick. My sickness was manifesting in other ways. And, uh, and that happened time and time again. And I, I did things like try to move. I moved to Mexico to live with my grandpa for a little bit uh, to see if I could get him to brainwash me into being sober because he's this like business mogul and, and has made a career off of, uh, off of developing people to do, to do business. And, and so I was like, yeah, maybe he can develop me. So I went down there and it worked for like six months. Um, and I came back and I got a job in the, in the industry that, you know, my family has been a part of for a long time, which is the fitness industry and, uh, worked my way up. I was managing a gym and had my own team of people. And, and we were actually kind of killing the sales in the district and, and, um, and doing really well. But at night I was going to the sports bar on the way home and 
and downing like three beers like in three sips just so I could go home and go to sleep. And that was me being like, yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm off heroin. Um, you know, and then it turned into like lunch breaks, sneaking out to the bar to go have a couple beers. And then it turned into, well, shit, they sell whippets at the smoke shop. So like, I may as well grab a couple boxes of those. Then it became like driving from the sports bar, doing whippets on the freeway, you know? And then eventually it was just like, well, fuck, I'll just go get like a 20 sack just to chill out. I deserve it. And I became that guy. Yeah, self-care, baby. Go off. <laughs> you deserve it, king. Um, I became that guy in, I believe it's chapter three, The Businessman. Right? Am I right? Is that chapter three? The, so there's this story in the book, in the first couple of chapters, about this guy who um, experienced some success in business. And he managed to stay sober because things were going really well for him. He managed to stop drinking. And as soon as he left that job, within six months, he was dead. And that was like, he had put together like 15 years, right? But the obsession never left. Um, I put together like six months. But that entire six months, I was, so I was like working my ass off, right? I was doing really well. I deserve credit for that because don't you know who I am? Um... <laughs> Right? Really, it's like, don't you know who my grandpa is? Like, let's be honest. There's a little nepotism there. But I was obsessing every day about getting to a point where I had enough security in my life to where I could just do dope. Like, to where I could just get high. And, like, it was chill because I had money and I was paying my bills. And, and so that, you know, eventually turned into instead of, instead of me reaching a point of success where I was actually, like, could rationalize that for myself it turned into me like living a double life and my last relapse turned into one of the darkest and most exhausting emotionally physically mentally exhausting periods um that god willing i will ever have to experience and um you know i'm i'm working a 40 hour week i'm on salary i'm making four grand a month and plus like commission on top of that and that's all going into one bank account and then I'm going out at night and stealing from cars and that's going into a, like a box in my room and that's my drug money. And so I'm legitimately living a double life, you know? Um, and, uh, and before long, it was like the ratio of like my, my normal daytime life to my nighttime life, quote unquote, started to like eat into my days. And before you know it, I'm leaving on my lunch break, not just to go like sneak a beer at the sports bar, but I'm leaving to go meet the plug. And we all know about the plug saying he'll be there in five minutes. <laughs> I'm not making it back from lunch most days on time. And I'm managing this place and I've got a team of people who like, because I'm so fucking good at living this double life and selling the fact that you know, I'm good and I'm trustworthy. I've got this team of these fucking poor kids, man. Trust me and like like me and look up to me. And they're just looking up to a shell like it's an empty shell and, and they, they have no idea what's going on and they start to worry about me. And uh, so before long, um, I graduate from breaking into cars to breaking into houses because why not? Um, and so one night I'm out and I... I strike gold and I fucking, like I, I, you know, I bust into a house and find a wad of cash 
and I, um, I say, you know what? It's been a good night for me. I'm gonna celebrate by getting high in my car on the same street as this house I just broke into. No, like, second thought about that. And I really think the Xanax had something to do with it. I was on some, like, I was, I was, I was on some, like, straight up, I do not fucking care shit. I was, like, on meth, doing heroin to, like, make sure that I wasn't so tweaked out on the meth, and then, like, doing Xanax to forget that I was taking meth and heroin, because the shame was just killing me. And, um, and so, yeah, like, obviously, the, uh, the authorities showed up, eventually. Sun started to come up. That should have been my first indicator. Um, that, like, maybe I should be home. I have work in, like, four hours. Uh, and I remember it was Black... Was it Black Friday? No, it was, it was like, we were gearing up for, like, this Black Friday sale because it was going to be the day after Thanksgiving. And, and <sighs> fuck, maybe it was Black Friday. Maybe the, t the timeline does line up there because um, Thanksgiving is in a set date, so it could have been that. So it's, it's a Friday morning, and, and we're, like, at, over at the, at the gym I work at. They're all, like, er they're early, like, setting up for shit. And the cops come and find me and I, I proceed to tell them like three different stories about why I'm in that neighborhood and I cannot keep one story straight. Um, I succeed for about 15 minutes at not letting them search my car. And, uh, and then again, I think it was the Xanax, man. I just fucking was like, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, it was me. I just wanted to get out of there. I really just, I was like so uncomfortable having to lie and and like the whole, all of the weight of like the double life that I had been leading up to that point really just sank itself right on my fucking shoulders and I wanted that weight to be gone. And I truly believe that that was my moment of clarity. And I truly believe that that was the moment that I was given the gift of desperation because for one moment, all of the consequences, the perspective consequences of what would happen if, if all this shit came out that I, what I had been doing, um, that didn't matter. Like I knew that I could not keep going on the way that I was going. And, uh, and I had a little bit of AA rhetoric in me, not enough to make it a bad time, not enough to make it like, you know, head full of AA, belly full of booze type situation, but I had a little, just enough in me from past experiences, rehab and being in the rooms and court orders and shit to where I was like, fuck, is this what they, is this what they mean? Is it, am I, and like, at truly, it took me until that moment to be like, damn, maybe I should go to AA. Like, sitting in the back of a cop car while like thousands of dollars of stolen goods are being placed on the hood of my car and, and, I'm, all I can think about is like, I hope they don't find the dope that I hid under the seat so I can go to the impound and grab it later. And I'm really thinking like, okay, I'll get out. They'll, they'll put me in jail for a little bit. I've been in jail before. They'll put me in jail for a couple hours. I'll make bail and then I'll, and then I'll, uh, I'll go to work and I'll make it to work on time. Nobody will know. And, um, that did not happen. Uh, my brother picked me up from jail and said, Hey bud, you know, you got to go to rehab, right? Um, so like that all was a blur that whole thing up until through my sobriety date and until maybe a week into rehab total blur can't tell you what happened. All I knew was that I was done and that, um, 
that I was willing to go ahead with whatever I was told to do. Um, and like the acceptance hit me pretty fucking hard, like right away. The acceptance that I was going to have to change my entire life around hit me pretty hard. I didn't know how or when or with whom or by, under whose direction I was to do that. Um, but but uh, I knew that there was something bigger working for me because I, if, if there wasn't, like I'd have been dead. I'd have been dead. I'd have killed myself any number of those times that I wanted to commit suicide and, and said, I'm gonna fucking do it this time or any of those times that I could have been killed by somebody else or, you know, accidentally OD'd. Um, so I knew there was a reason that, that I was still here and, and um, grabbed the first guy that I could that raised his hand at a meeting and he was three years younger than me and that was very humbling. Um, and I called him every day and I called my friends who got sober before me, uh, who, who were kind of in my corner every day, uh, for my first six months. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't follow all the rules. Like I didn't, I didn't take every suggestion. I don't think anybody does find me one person who's like, a, like a plus AA student. I don't think they exist. Um, I think they're suggestions for a reason. Uh, you know, the traditions exist for a reason. And I do believe that the traditions exist on a personal individual level as well, because if I didn't have the right to be wrong, and if you guys didn't welcome me back every time I fucked up, you know, like there's a reason that that, that is a continuing theme in these rooms. Um, and that a testimony to that is the countless friends that I've had in sobriety who I was convinced would die. Like I was convinced, like you are dead, you're done, you're dead to me, you may as well be dead to everybody else. Not because I was mad at them, not because I resented them, but because you stick around long enough and, and you, unfortunately you learn that it doesn't pay to like maintain hope for people sometimes. You kind of got to let them find their own way and, um, and like, yeah. Um, the amount of times that I've seen those people turn around and come back in the rooms and it's just with the, the right circumstances of like shit blowing up in their face, they realize that, you know, this is the only chance they have, um, is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And, and it's a beautiful thing. Anytime I, you know, I'm, I'm, I am Spanish group. Um, I'm chasing a career in music right now and I interact with a lot of people from around the world every day on the internet and I interact with like engage with a lot of people when I go out to you know festivals and shows and like anytime somebody finds out that I'm sober you always get that one person in a big group of people that like you know it comes out that you know oh Trevor's sober and you get that one person who's kind of looking at you weird all night and then like end of the night somewhere around there they approach you and they're like hey dude so like how did you do it and uh that is like the fucking joy for me because um you know i'm i'm it's like if if all goes well i'm gonna be traveling a lot and i'm not gonna have the i'm not gonna get the privilege that i've had for the last four years of having like a home group that i go to every day and and sponsees that i get to meet up with multiple times a week 
and so getting to share the message any way that I can and getting to be of service and and sometimes that's as much as just letting somebody know that the door is open for them and that there's a seat saved for them like as soon as they're ready and uh, the light that comes on in their eyes when they realize like that it's not a fucking cult is is a beautiful thing also getting to tell people that i that one of my home groups is an ha group is really cool right now with the the rampant opioid epidemic people don't realize that like there's a whole ass fellowship just for them um beautiful thing one of my first awesome experiences in this run of sobriety was being at a ha meeting that eric was the secretary of and um i've met some of my best friends through ha that uh that you know, I will call friends for my entire life, and 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 it's a beautiful thing because we're all out here. We're all the fucking same. None of us are special, but like we're all special, and that's what's cool. Um, and we're like part of this amazing group of of individuals who have um, experienced God in their own way, and. Um, and have the same set of tools to deal with anything that life throws at them. So it's like this weird uniform thing. And in a way, it is like all the good parts of a cult, but not any of the bad parts. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, a, I'm so grateful to have found this, this fellowship. And thanks again for having me out to speak. And that's going to do it for me. Right on.